folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm, of course, your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today, as always, by my friend and co-host. He was working in his lab late one night when his eyes beheld such an eerie sight. It's Micah. Hey. Little ho- is, little Halloween theme for you. What is that from? <laughs> monster did the mash. mash. Oh, did the oh, monster yeah. mash. That was well done, Dude, Thor. Like Thank, great, well done. <laughs> you can tell how much Halloween means to me. God damn it. Because it is hollow. Today is Halloween. It's a very spooky episode. <laughs> Get spooky. <laughs> so, such a stupid holiday. Ouch. I said it. Ow. I said it. All right, it's a hot take. You just want to hurt my feelings it's now. Like, it's like one of the best holidays. It's not one of the best holidays. It so totally well, I mean, it makes sense that you don't like it. Yeah, because it's Micah's a dumb not, holiday. My, well, you're not into like <laughs> creepy, scary stuff. This and, is true. And you're not like a big sweets guy. You don't love candy. This is also true. If they gave out coffee a trick or treat, you would be in heaven. <laughs> I just am, it's just not my vibe, man. It's just not, it's not for me. It's, it's not for me. I don't know what the hard on is that York, Pennsylvania has for Halloween. Certain it's, towns just get really I'm pretty sure Halloween, all man. of America has a hard on for Halloween. What are you talking no, about? And it's getting like, bigger every year. We're in like a Halloween area, though. We've got a whole bunch of haunted shit around us. We do. That is very We've true. We've got like Ray Myers Hollow around us. We got the Seven Gates to Hell. We yeah. got Terror to Road. Yeah, I mean, we, got- we have Field of Screams, which is like the largest... Uh, I don't even know what a scary. It's, it's one of the top like um, it's one of the top Halloween attractions I think in the country. It's one of the best known too. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, yeah. So something about this area. I'm not from this area initially, so that might be part of it. But I feel like I've been here long enough for me to say I'm from York, and I've lived here the majority of my life at this sure, point. Yeah, but it's just never clicked with me. I've never loved Halloween. I've enjoyed. Dressing up as superheroes in my spare time, and, and sometimes, and sometimes that spare time is on Halloween. And yes, <laughs> geishas, looking at you, McCrary, and you're looking back right. <laughs> with a, and it's a lustful look, yeah, a very lustful look. But, Damn, who is that? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. You see all the cracks in my Joker makeup because of my <laughs> crow's feet and dimple lines. So, Micah, it is today is Halloween, uh-huh. and yep. we could not. I had I was like, we got to do a horror movie because it's coming out. Uh, like this episode is coming out on Halloween Day, sure. So it's just the perfect setting. Mm-hmm. And who else could we do a Halloween horror movie episode with other than Zach? I am DZ Bolton. Yeah, of who, course, Zach. You, uh, I'm very happy to have you here. <laughs> I know. I can tell. So, I can tell. You just. <laughs> You just wanted this episode so much. I mean, I'm legitimately happy that you're here. It's always it's always good to hang out with you, buddy. But I'm not super thrilled to be discussing the content that we're going to discuss. Oh, I was so shocked. So, Bolton, you got here right as Micah was finishing Hereditary, oh, correct? Oh, there was like 10 minutes left, 
and he was sitting on the couch watching it and just the contorted looks on his face. <laughs> as as Micah put it, he was also doing an art project on his tablet and his face was so contorted that it didn't recognize his facial scan. Yeah, <laughs> very funny. Well, and also you got here to watch him watch. Like uh, that, the, that was the, the one thing I wanted. As far as for him, that's got to be the worst 10 minutes. Oh, of the my movie. God. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's like the last 10 minutes mm-hmm. is where it just it's like into overdrive. And it's like, okay, now we're in a full horror movie. And I had texted Micah that beforehand. I was like, I wish so much that I could just (laughs) be there with you when you watch this just to see your reaction to how this movie plays out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And boy, howdy, do we do we get into some stuff? Uh, It sounds like we ready to get into it. Well, when you guys texted me about this, I was like, oh, yes, this is going to be so much fun. Micah hates horror movies. (laughs) really do yeah i really do yeah let's uh i i also hate horror movies for the record i feel for like the most your film viewing though is more open to this kind of stuff though whereas micah we we've known each other how long i don't think we've ever watched a halloween or horror movie together yeah, i don't once. think so it's been since like junior high that we've been hanging out yeah and I don't know if we've ever watched a horror movie. I don't think I was ever able to con you into it. No. I'm I'm glad that all I needed was Thor. (laughs) All you had to do was start a podcast and just know know that, like, within two years of doing the podcast, you were playing the long game. I'm going to trick him into watching a horror movie. Yeah, this is the last episode. I've got what I came for. (sighs) You tricksy fuckers. Yeah, it actually genuinely might be the last episode. I don't know how he's going to react to this at all. <laughs> I mean, I you're, got a pretty you're good not going to be allowed to recommend anything ever again. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's discuss Hereditary. Let's do it. Yeah. Hey, folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep. I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Alrighty, folks, so today we are discussing Hereditary, the 2018 film from writer and director Ari Aster. It is starring... Tony Collette as Annie Graham, a miniature artist and child of child and kind of like victim of like mental uh, mental illness her whole life. Gabrielle Byrne as Steve Graham, her husband, Alex Wolf as her son, Peter Graham and Millie Shapiro as Charlie Graham, their daughter. And of course, Anne Dowd as Joan. She's kind of like a support you know, she's a part of Annie's support group when her mother dies. Um, and that's kind of like the crux of the film is at the very beginning, Annie's uh, mother dies and you end up finding out pretty quick. She suffered from DID and uh, 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 schizophrenia, I think it schizophrenia, is. as well as her, her father. Dementia, sorry. Yep. DID, uh, dementia. And her father had died by starving himself when she was young uh, because he had schizophrenia. 
So, and that's kind of where the film starts. Uh, and we'll kind of get into the film as it goes along. A few just interesting kind of things about this. So, Mike, I don't know if you're aware, Ari Aster, this is his first feature film. Okay. He actually uh, had made a few, he went to the American Film Institute and had made a couple of like smaller uh, independent films, like student films that he got recognized for. They were called uh, Munchausen and the Strange Thing About the Johnsons. Were they also horror style movies or no? Uh, I believe they're called two provocative short horror films is okay. how I saw them described. Right. And essentially he caught the eye of a 24 and they greenlit this film. So this is first feature length film. And it ended up actually being a 24s highest grossing film. It made 10 million or it cost 10 million to make ended up making 50 million in the box office. So that- it was a 24s most successful film. Up until a little film that we all discussed, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yep. Yeah, that's actually was my was my next question because I thought that that intro graphic looked familiar, and I thought that it was from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, A twenty four has become one of the bigger players in the studio game nowadays. Like, of course, you have your big, you know, Paramount and all sure. that. But A twenty four has put out some real gems the last couple of years. Another movie you guys did, Swiss Army Man. Uh, a couple other movies, The Disaster Artist, uh, The Lighthouse. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow. Lady love- Bird, Spring Breakers. Yeah, I love all those movies. Yeah. I know Spring Breakers didn't get a lot of love from people. I actually really enjoyed that. That was movie, like though. the first big movie that A24 did was Spring Breakers. At least when I looked it up, that was the first big one. Uh, they just did The Whale with Brendan Fraser. Oh, my God. We just talked about that yep, last, last week. Last week. Um, a little bit about the cast. Tony Collette, who plays Annie. Mm-hmm. She actually... Um, doesn't like horror movies. Oh yeah. And she does she didn't want to do a horror movie, hmm. but after reading the script and realizing that a big bulk of this film is really just kind of like a family drama. Yeah, a lot and of that it. Mm-hmm. She and from what she said is that Ari really knew how to capture the dynamics of a family and it's not this just slap together horror movie slasher flick. She's like, it's somebody who really understands character development, which is how she ended up getting attached to it. Hmm. And I think also notably is Millie Shapiro, who plays Charlie, the young girl. She had uh, she was like one of the first people to uh, audition for it. And basically the character wasn't that that character had the least uh, description as to what it was. And she auditions and he saw it and he was like. She's perfect. Did she just like stare blankly at his left ear? <laughs> I think she walked in, he saw her face, and he's like, that's it. Well, she, she, she was a Broadway actress. Oh, Actually, really? this was her first big movie, too. Wait, the little oh, girl was a Broadway actress? Yeah, Millie Shapiro was a Broadway actress, and this was her first film that she did. And Ari Aster, like you said, Thor, like when she came in and auditioned, he was like, this is who I want. This is exactly what I need for this character. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So this kind of uh, greenlit his career as well. He's made a couple movies since, um, kind of set him on the path. And I didn't realize, like, this is my favorite horror movie. That's why I wanted to recommend it to you. Okay. And once again, I don't like horror movies. I, they don't, like, weird me out or scare me. They just generally don't really do much for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, it's kind of like anime, but I'm even sure. more selective with horror movies where it's like, it really has to have something special that I like. So that's why I recommended this. I love it. 
Okay. I didn't know how other people felt about it. Once I started uh, researching it, it actually is pretty like critically acclaimed pretty as far violent? as um, I guess audience scores oh, okay. uh, aren't as high. Um, but in general, it is a movie that's, I guess, pretty well loved in the horror community. Zach can probably speak yeah. more to that. Um, so it's, it's one of those weird instances where a lot of people don't usually agree with critic you know okay reviews and horror films are kind of weird because when you get too artsy with horror sometimes it'll drive a casual horror fan away mm-hmm. whether or not that movie's good or not if you get too artsy it kind of you know just kind of doesn't attract them as much and this was one where the critics loved and critics hate horror movies like just historically they're like you can go back and look at most horror movies and critic reviews are low yeah whereas fan reviews are actually really high Mm -hmm. for the most part sure and this one is kind of the flip of that but you had mentioned that this was ari's first film his one after this midsummer was the one that really like was kind of the good mix of both where critics loved it and people absolutely ate that movie up. I've hmm. I've heard the name, I've never seen it. Midsummer's one that you should definitely check out. If you like this, it's the same director, it's the same kind of feel. I think you would dig it. Micah, you wouldn't, but cool. Thor, you- <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll watch that on my own. And then if it's good, I'll sure, have Micah yeah. watch it. <laughs> I will warn you, it is long. It's like two and a half hours. Uh, so what are, what are some other films, like horror films, that lean towards the artsy um so a lot of the stuff that a24 did and some of the ones that i mentioned like the lighthouse and uh the witch uh so uh, one of okay. ari aster's like co-workers and like one of the upcoming names in horror robert eggers was the director of those two and they're pretty well critically acclaimed whereas not so much on the fan side but it's starting to get better because a24 is just starting to like really just hit the nail on the head every single time with their movies. Like it's few and far between that they strike out on something. Yeah. I'm I'm noticing a lot more of the indie style type of stuff come to the forefront. Um, and I think that that's because these major studios are just continuously doing reruns and remakes and sequels and reboots. And I feel like, the lack of originality in a lot of these things that we see from Hollywood now is making people kind of crave for something new. Yeah. That kind of, we went to see, uh, what was the movie that the creator? Yeah. We went to go see the creator. How was I did? It was fucking awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. It's a sci-fi film. Does it do anything super crazy? No, but it's an original story. Visually it's beautiful and it's just a cool, um, it's a cool story. It's a little bit overplayed, right? Where you've got somebody who is, uh, escorting a little child through a dangerous scenario. Okay. So that, that yeah, yeah, we've seen that, yeah. but yeah, they were really like advertising the hell out of that movie there for a little bit. Yeah. Visually, it's amazing. They made the movie for like 80 million, which compared to hereditary being $10 million. Maybe that's why horror films exist. Can you just make because a horror film? Cause they're cheap. I basically, I think that's definitely got to be part of it. I, I was going to say horror films usually do not have a big budget. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, because that's that's kind of nuts. That do they normally do like fifty million? Is that like how successful are is that compared to other horror films? Is fifty million that sounds low 
to me. Um, but maybe, I mean, with a budget of $10 million, I was going to say, it, it kind of depends, because I don't think this movie was released around Halloween, where a lot of the times you get horror movies sure. released around that time of year. Because I know, like, when Saul was coming out, mm-hmm. every year in October, every year, it was, like, killing it. Yeah. Every single year. It was top of the box office for a week or two every year. And I want to say those movies you know, made bank because like you said, horror movies were traditionally cheap. There's not a lot of special effects, really. A lot of it is, uh, you know, just regular effects. It's usually kind of a small setting. It's, mm-hmm. you know, what usually you're paying the actor's budget if you can get a big name in. There's a cheap costume usually, but there, I mean, you're not paying yeah. for a lot of like computer work or anything like that. Sure. Like you pay parody- makeup artists and, and uh, prosthetics. Yeah, you might have like minimal yeah, CGI I mean, here and there. Yeah, because yeah, like Paranormal Activity and Halloween are two of the biggest horror movie like intakes of all time, and those movies were made from nothing. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so I got to pull it up. Okay. So it originally premiered at Sundance uh, Film Festival January of 2018. Then once it got picked up, here this is a funny story. The trailer for the film were, was released on January 30th of that year uh, in Australia. It was accidentally played for a PG-rated family film, uh, Peter Rabbit, in Australia. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I read that. That was so amazing. Like, Which I guess also probably helped to get a little bit buzzed. Like, sure. look, they accidentally played this trailer for this, like... Uh, this kid's movie. Um, so then when it actually released uh, in America, it was June of 2018. And it did fairly well, but the movies, it came in fourth at the box office opening weekend behind Ocean's 8, Solo, the horrible Star Wars movie, yep, yep. and Deadpool 2. You forgot Ocean's 8, the horrible Ocean's movie. <laughs> I I think I saw the original one long ago. I I I don't like heist. Have you seen the episode of Rick and Morty where they make fun of heist movies? Yeah, that's how I feel about heist movies. Yeah, for the I, most part. See, I I enjoy heist movies partly because they're ridiculous. But yeah, I mean that'll explain why this movie didn't do well. First of all, it was what summer you said June June eighth. Yeah. yeah, you got even though Solo was bad, it's still Star Wars. Star Wars is going to draw in a lot. Mm-hmm. You have Deadpool, superhero movie. That's yep. going to draw in a lot. And I don't know why Oceans was there. That movie <laughs> was awful, but maybe the other ones had been out for a couple weeks. Well, Oceans still that's another one. It just has the name attached to it. Was that the one where they did the, the stupid all, reboot with the all ladies? It was the all-female oh, one. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I forget who it is. There's somebody who does a hilarious joke about that where he's like, that movie should have just been like ten minute, ten minutes long. It's like the girls just walk up to a security guard and are like, "We'll blow you," and he's like, "You crazy bitches, go ahead." <laughs> <laughs> End of movie. Yeah. They walk out with the cash in a lollipop. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, still fifty million off of a ten million dollar budget. I yeah. mean, it's successful. That's that's good for them. And that's all they care about. Yep. All right. So we've talked a little bit about the cast, kind of the production of how this movie came to be. So now the important part, Micah, mm-hmm. how much did you love Hereditary? <laughs> I got to tell you guys. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm so ready. He could just be fooling us. I, no, think, he, he I think he did like it. This movie's fucking dumb. <laughs> it's not for me. First of all, I am not a horror fan. 
All right. So if you like horror and you're listening to this, I am not your boy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to rag on this movie a little bit. There were some things that I liked about it. I liked the cinematography. Um, There was a thing I liked about it, and it was the (laughs) cinematography. You didn't like the performances? Uh, The acting was good. Yeah, I'll say that the acting was good. Um, I just wonder how much acting you need in movies like this. Like, how many different emotions is the main actress or actor really conveying in this? It's like dread, paranoia, screaming. That's the film. Anger, fake happiness. Well, what about the son? What about the dad? I feel so bad Dude, for that the guy's dad. an unsung so, hero of this movie. I feel so bad for him. <laughs> sure, until he gets lit on fire by the <laughs> witch book. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so so a lot of this, to me, this helped me, because I don't like horror movies, right? And mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out, because I have been on record saying that I do like suspense films. Uh, I like suspense, but I don't like horror. And I'm trying to figure out you know, there's a fine line between the two, and I'm trying to figure out what it is about horror that I don't like that doesn't happen in suspense films. And so I was trying to pay attention to this film um, and pa- trying to pay attention to me and my reactions while I was watching this. And something that annoyed the hell out of me watching this movie is all of like the slow moving camera pains with a gradual buildup of string instrumentals. And then stopping and cutting and going to another spot. It did it like six times in this film. And it, I'm, I'm just watching this and I'm thinking, you're, they're trying to build tension audibly for no fucking reason other than it's a quote-unquote horror film. It gave you mental blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> it just... So I, I, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, if I were to watch this... Because there's no release. It's like building the tension and then it's like... Right, but also Next like, scene. unnecessarily so. Like it's it's building the tension and then not giving any resolution to it. It's just adding the music, but to make you feel that anxiety kind of build up. But I didn't really see a need for it like sixty percent of the time in this film. They were just it's just edging you the whole time, the whole way through the movie. You're just being edged. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm trying to think if I was watching this and it didn't have that. I don't think that, like, I don't think that this movie was necessarily scary per se, and no, not at all. No, like, it was it was kind of unnerving in certain spots. Um, I also was not a big fan of the whole Satan thing at the end. I really wasn't. <laughs> well, it's not I never Satan. It's, pay- I- it's not Satan. It's Payman. No, okay. He is it just. Also- he just happens to be one of Satan's generals. It- yeah, he's he's just a king. <laughs> he of happens hell. to be one of yeah, the eight can, kings of hell. Can you explain to me what, like, where the hell the turn went in the last ten minutes of this film? <laughs> because, like, there. What was the grandmother? Was she a witch? Was she like a pagan? Because it seemed almost like the the weird naked headless corpses. She, she, were, she was the leader of the cult. She was the queen of this cult, the okay. satanic cult that worshipped Payman, and she successfully brought Payman back. And you, okay, so last week, <laughs> you were like, I don't like horror movies, but Micah, you know, I'm thinking maybe you'll like this one. Okay, so I knew you would What about- 
the satanic cult. Okay, I knew you wouldn't like the satanic cult, but I thought you would appreciate the fact that, and Ari, uh, the director and writer, said this too. He's like, this film happens in two distinct parts. Okay, I can agree with that. Whereas, like, the beginning of the film really, I wouldn't call a horror movie at all. It's like just this... It's about a it's family like this that's upsetting on the brink. drama film. Yeah, yeah, about this lady who loses her mom and then her kid fucking gets her her kid kills her other kid by driving into a pole and ripping her yeah. head off. So, it's fucking brutal. So that was real brutal and that was a turn that I did not expect to happen. Yeah. In fact, I think that that was probably the most unnerving part to me. Yeah, it's was watching her asphyxiate and then get decapitated. And then you yeah. just see the look in her and you just do that scene because you hear just the like that. The it's sound a, of like meat. It's of a like sickening cold thought. Meat. Mm-hmm. And then they do like it just it's he's just quiet. Yeah. So quiet. And he goes to look up into the rearview mirror and he's like, I can't even do it and he averts his eyes and he and he kind of like this meek like are you okay because he knows it's not he knows what happened and he's just like and you just yeah slowly puts it in drive and it's like what the fuck yeah yeah so there was a lot i i I had the exact same thought also what did he do with the body did he just leave it in the car yes yeah he totally did oh because the the mom found it the next morning the mom found the headless body so the next morning so this kid uh, accidentally kills his sibling and then goes to bed he, was he doesn't in that go much to shock. bed. He just lays in bed. Yeah, he's in that much shock. Just and waiting because he knows, like, <laughs> and just waits for. It was definitely accidental. Well, Don't you put that on no, him? It, it was accidental on his part, but I think there oh, yeah. is more in this town that the cult is. Yeah, no. Did you catch? Did you catch the symbol on the telephone pole when they drove by? No. Okay, yeah. so when they're going to the party. He drives past that telephone pole. Okay. And it kind of stays on the telephone pole. Oh, and it's And got the first the time you watch it, you don't even necessarily notice it because it's real. It's real su- quick. That's, that's what I like about this movie is like there's so much subtlety to it. Sure. There's so much subtle shit. But yeah, in things that you wouldn't even necessarily catch on a first watch, that symbol is on that telephone. It's like engraved in that telephone pole. So we're thinking that maybe something, something happened so that the sister Charlie, like, like that was kind of fated to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. The scenario yeah. was essentially uh, orchestrated. Yeah, because the dead deer body isn't in the road on the way there. It's there on the way home, though. So I mean, the cult could have put it there, knowing that they're going to have to come home that way eventually. And he these might are see- some crafty cult people. Oh, I think there's. I think this entire town is almost in on this entire thing. You think so? Oh my god, yeah. Also, what? So, so yeah. So the the mother. Also, I I do. Okay, so here's my biggest problem with this movie. Okay, is they go to a high school party, mm-hmm. and there's a girl just chopping a bunch of walnut. Like I get why. Like I get it's a story device, uh-huh. and they had already set up. She's deathly allergic to nuts, so I get the why. But it's has like, a history of forgetting her epipen. You know, yeah. you know all those house parties you went to in high school, and girls were just chopping up nuts to bake a chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> you watching that? I had to pause it, and I looked at Catcher, and I was like, "Okay, I'll admit that's pretty stupid." <laughs> like, 
that girl was in on the call. She <laughs> might have been. She okay. might have been. See, my, Shit, Charlie's my here to chop up of, the walnuts. Because I was like, because obviously they couldn't orchestrate, but I was like, they prayed to whatever evil fucking spirit they worship. And mm-hmm. then like it created this like cosmic, it was like cosmically faded and not so much as a person, a person was like, let's make sure there are walnuts there. Let's make sure the girl goes there. Let's, it's, to me, it all felt like, like the forces of evil convened to make to make this happen. To make that happen. Yeah, because the characters don't the, really that, have... That was kind of my take on it as opposed to like some grand conspiracy in the town. Yeah, th- and as I was researching this movie, that was one of the things I came across too because when you first see Peter in class, the lecture that the teacher is given is giving a lecture about fate and how the main characters of stories don't have control over their own life that's true which is basically leading because these characters going off of that literally have no control over what's going to happen yeah they're all on a crash course yeah it's everything is laid out whether they want it to be or not how do you feel about the whole like mental like the take of like mental illness did you because every time like what i another thing i like about this is i feel like they the writer intentionally sets you up to question is this all just the mom is now she's schizophrenic and she's been doing all of this oh uh, see i didn't get any of that i like i never questioned that paranormal stuff was happening okay for on my end when i was watching it for me like especially and it's like towards the end once he starts slamming his head against the desk Mm -hmm. and the mom finds her mom's body up in their attic yeah and she goes to her husband she's like look i swear to god there's a fucking headless body up there listen to me i swear to god and he goes and looks sure enough there's a dead headless bitch up in his attic yeah and and he comes down and he says that part. <laughs> I just put that on a shirt. <laughs> sure enough, there's a dead headless bitch in the attic. <laughs> Dude, that'd be a great TKO shirt. <laughs> um, and he says the the part that I was thinking the whole time is like, you fucking dug it up, didn't you? Like, it oh, almost, yeah. I feel like he sets it up to think like, oh, is this going to be a secret window scenario? Yeah. Which is, I hate that movie, and I hate that fucking, <laughs> that overused device where it's like, oh, it turns out it was the main person the whole time, and they didn't realize they have split personalities. Such a dumb, stupid, easy fucking story device. I hate when they do that. There, that but I, I feel like he sets you up to think that that might be, where you're never entirely sure, like, is it actually all evil? Or is this mom, because you're kind of seeing this the story through the lens of the mom. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you are. See, to me, it just, all of that, the way that it came across to me is she has a past of mental illness, like a history mm-hmm. of mental illness, which is the reason that the family isn't really believing anything that she's saying. Okay. Yeah. So, I can see that too. So and I think she fully breaks when Charlie dies. Yeah. Uh, like she's just hit that point because from that point on, like she was already kind of a morose character. Like- she even yeah, she, she even fucking, says when her mom when her mom's like, should I, yeah should I be sad that my mom like she doesn't know she should be sad that her mom died and she paints all these fucked up miniatures yeah, she paints and- miniatures for a living like something's not right with that lady <laughs> like that's a sad existence yeah, and, and 
also, it's evidently how she grieves because she made a miniature oh, of the, the freaking crash oh, scene. That scene was so mm-hmm. great because the dad, the dad's just trying to hold it together so much in this movie. He yeah. just wants to move on more than anybody else in the history of ever. <laughs> dude, and <laughs> the, everything that is happening just will not let him move forward. Dude, everything in that, in that guy's character, I feel for. Because I'm like... I could imagine myself in the scenario where you're like, I think my wife's fucking insane, mm-hmm. but I love her. And he's just trying to keep it all together. Yeah. And like, he just had like that guy just so perfectly captured the essence of just a exhausted dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can definitely see that, I guess. Uh, Bolton, where do you stand on this movie? Is this because you watch like 80 horror movies a year? Where where are you at? <laughs> and that's with... just from August to October. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Where's this line up with you? Uh, I really like this movie. I would not say that it is a favorite only because it's such a hard rewatch. And for it to be a favorite of mine, it has to be one that I can rewatch pretty frequently. Okay. Now I will say I have watched this movie at least once a year since it's come out and I've watched it <laughs> twice this year because I watched it. <laughs> Dude, yes. <laughs> I, so I watched Dude, this movie. I mean, I really like this movie. I don't think I could do twice in a year. Seeing, <laughs> seeing a little girl get decapitated and dealing with the emotions of her mother. So like, here's a lot. So here's what happened at the start of my horror season in August. I rewatched this one. I was like, Oh, hereditary i I want to rewatch hereditary this year and then you guys texted me and said hey (laughs) let's do a podcast about hereditary Mm -hmm. it's gonna be in october two months from now and i'm like damn i'm gonna have to rewatch it before that (laughs) so i just so i just rewatched it the other night because Uh, i had to (laughs) but it's one of those where I think this movie is really good, and I really like I think it is one of the better horror movies, if not one of the best horror movies of at least the last decade. Yeah. Maybe two. But I wouldn't put it on a favorites list because it it's like it's a hard watch. That, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. How'd you feel about the weird naked people just I, lurking oh, just it. lurking in the shadows? Oh, they're everywhere. On if you watch this movie a second time, Micah, which you should. Wait, he <laughs> won't. He will not. <laughs> you will not gonna lie. No way in the eight kings of hell. No way I can watch this movie again. But if you if you rewatch it, you'll notice some like there's cultists everywhere. Yeah. Um. So like there's a scene in the beginning of the movie where the son Peter is smoking a bong and the the image is from outside of his window looking in at him smoking a bong and it was something that I didn't even notice until this last rewatch. Oh yeah, I there's just like, noticed. Yeah, there's a cultist outside of his window watching him. You don't okay. see him, but okay. you can see the breath do from you, the cold air. Yeah, uh. do you know the scene where he's talking about the kid takes a hit of a bong and blows it out the window? Yeah. It's a real quick scene. So, once again, it looks at the outside. So he opens up his window, puts his head out, and blows the smoke out. Sure. And then he goes back in and you see another puff, and you realize you weren't seeing his puff of smoke. You were seeing somebody's breath breathing. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. Uh, there's, there, there's there's little night- symbols are everywhere. Yeah. The like, little ni- there's a nighttime shot of the ha- every time you see a nighttime shot of the house. If you look close enough, there's naked cultists standing around the house. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I thought about tell- giving you kind of. 
because that is one of the fun like i think it makes it a fun rewatch um in the same way that like brinker loved playtime sure. where you just catch stuff rewatching this is kind of fun because you can really focus on like the background and like see like these little things that you just won't catch on your first your first watch i get you're never gonna watch it yeah. but again but so that type of stuff is intriguing i like films that throw those small little clues in there that's very fight clubby to me sure yeah uh i can appreciate that i just for me horror movies i think are too depressing in a lot of avenues Mm -hmm. i feel like they're also fairly predictable even if you don't know what is going to happen exactly me watching this movie i just presumed that everyone was going to die (laughs) <laughs> so that's fair so and that's how i am whenever i watch a horror film i just go okay one of maybe one of these people will live maybe but everybody that i'm watching if it's the family if it's the group of teenagers they're all dead by the end of it and that's no surprise yeah, to me yeah typically it's like oh who's the hottest actress she'll live right <laughs> she'll be the only one who lives yeah yeah, and if there is a so if it's kind of a a weird like snuffed style horror, then there's a main actress and she's kind of a higher name, so you know that you're not going to see any skin from her. But there's going to be a hot, <laughs> there's going to be a hot actress who isn't as popular. That's the that's who you're going to see. Thumbs the boobs you're going to see. This yeah. is her first movie. Oh, she's getting naked for exactly. sure. Exactly. So just to me, there's not a lot of. I wonder what's going to happen next. There might be a, I wonder how this person's going to die. I agree with all that, yeah. But, but I don't, I don't really, I don't know. You it's, don't, you don't enjoy watching all the creative ways they will die? No. Okay. That, that doesn't really do much I, Honestly, I think that's part of the appeal for, because like I said, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are. I feel yeah. the same way that I feel like they're predictable. They just don't really do a lot for me, especially when you get into like the the slasher uh just everybody gets murdered in some unique way like style okay bolton what's so, this what's the uh, sales but i pitch? think the appeal is people like watching all the unique ways a writer can come up with to <laughs> to end somebody's life yeah yeah what's the sales pitch bolton is that it or no so like car for me is so weird so like i don't know if i've ever told you guys the story but the way that i got into horror was it was a bonding thing with me and my grandmother. When I was younger, my... I that's, was Oh, no, just wait. Okay. So <laughs> my grandmother loves horror movies. And when I was younger, I was staying at my grandparents' house. And one night we watched Blair Witch Project and Friday the 13th. And that is like me and my grandma's connector. Like we like horror movies we go to see horror movies together but for her she's one of those ones where she's a bloodhound the gorier the better if you go to see she probably <laughs> your grandma's hardcore oh it, <laughs> how I, many I, tattoos I does your grandma have? none surprisingly <laughs> but she does mainline tequila so <laughs> Dope. um but like i'm pretty sure she would have hated this movie because there's no blood in it yeah now like when we went to see terrifier in theaters 
she loved Terrifier because it's nothing but gore and blood everywhere. And she was like, yeah, this is awesome. That movie sounds so dumb. <laughs> Terrifier is really, you would hate that so much. <laughs> it's about a killer clown. <laughs> um, but no, like, I just think it's one of, like, I like, I like being scared. Okay. Um, I like just watching these movies. Like, I feel like fear is a normal thing in sure. your life. I feel like it's, you know, a healthy thing to have some kind of fear. And I just, I enjoy the spooky season. Like, I know that it's not for everyone. Like, I get that it's not for you. And like, one of the things I was thinking about Conan is like, this movie does have super religious undertones and like a main like story point about, you know, a king of hell. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like resurrecting mm, one of the kings yeah. of hell and, in, and I, and in the body of a child, but it's unfortunately a girl's body. So it's they have to kill that body so that they can then resurrect her in her brother's body. It's I'll, such I'll, a fucked up concept. I'll, oh, yeah, we'll get to that. But no, like like I was sitting there and I was like. Mike is one of the most religious people I know. I've known him for years. If I ever needed any kind of religious counseling or like input, I would probably go to Micah about this. And I'm sitting there, he's going to hate every second of this movie. Well, no, because it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't get super culty and like oh yeah demonic no, until like the last fifteen minutes of the movie. Yeah. Really, I feel like the movie just takes a real sharp turn. It does. So something that also I was kind of wondering here and there was, and and maybe this kind of comes back to your point, Thor, of the film. Perhaps it was trying to make you wonder if it was psychological. Like mm-hmm. in what was the main character? What was her name Allie? Annie. 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 So in her head. Because the movie starts off and she sees like her grandmother staring at her in the shadows and then turns the light on and she's gone. So that type of stuff to me doesn't connect with the weird cult stuff that's happening later in the film. So that makes me think that maybe that is a psychological part and it kind of blends into the whole cult thing as the movie goes on. So one of my favorite like kind of like you have to like not really dig to like get the meaning of it. So like she talks about her brother at the grief support meeting. She talks about her brother was skits and he hung himself because he keeps talking about, he kept talking about how the mom was trying to put voices in his head. Okay. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Like, the, uh, the mom, definitely foreshadowing. Yeah, the mom who was the leader of this cult was basically trying to put Paimon into the brother. Okay. And he killed himself to almost prevent that. So, when she's talking about him, he really wasn't skits, or he might have been, or he might not have been. But it was easy, it's easy to, you know, say that he was because of that. Yeah. But when you find out later that you need a healthy male host to resurrect Paimon, and she was basically trying to do this to her own son, you start to question whether or not he actually was skits or... Maybe he was, and that's why he wasn't the healthy body, and it didn't work. Sure. Because he had this mental illness. Okay. Yeah, this this movie leaves a lot of, and intentionally, leaves a lot of questions unanswered for you to kind of fill in exactly what it is. It doesn't, like, that's another thing I like about this. It doesn't just spoon feed you a story. Um, I do, I will agree that I think it's almost like, 
you think, oh, it's just some weird paranormal shit going on. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, actually, it's been a cult hole all the time. And they're actually trying to bring back one of the kings of hell. And this whole thing was like, it is kind of out of nowhere. I I would I do think that's a fair criticism, Um, but I I like the way it's done. But so so to me, there there's a a like a weird mixture of paranormal stuff that's happening that is not tangible. And then there's weird stuff that happens that is tangible. And I'm not sure that the connection between the two quite makes sense to me. Okay. So like the seance or whatever, where they're like calling up the, uh, the dead son or Charlie, the dead daughter, which let's be honest, probably not Charlie. No, probably the King of hell. Yeah, no. So Joan 100% coaxed Annie into having this ritual, which was basically just a conjuring of Paimon. Yeah. But but then there are things where when the son sees the naked cult people in the attic and jumps out of the building and then looks up from the ground and he sees like the floating corpse going up into the treehouse. Yeah. What? the fuck was that about like there's like if there's if there is a an exhumed corpse in the attic the cultists did it right Mm -hmm. but that's not supernatural that's just people doing creepy shit so all of the supernatural stuff prior to that point wasn't tangible and then it kind of has this big twist at the end where now all of a sudden you're seeing like floating bodies and things like that does that kind of make sense? I, I get why you're saying that. But like, so once again, the, the same way that I think it was just these evil forces kind of coalescing into killing Charlie in the first place. I feel like the supernatural stuff is the paranormal, whatever you want to call it, yeah. is inherently demonic in nature. Right. But it, like, is there something that I'm missing in that? Because that, that was just kind of a disconnect. Well, you missed some naked dicks in the background. <laughs> so who knows, who knows what else you missed? Uh, I think a lot of what... <laughs> so, like, it talks about needing a healthy male host. And Annie says when Peter was born, she would not let the grandmother near him. She wouldn't let that happen. But when Charlie was born... She did. And you get that weird mini scene where like the mom is like trying to breastfeed like the granddaughter like in the beginning. So like she automatically like got her hooks into her. And I think she possessed Charlie with this demon, but they weren't able to fulfill everything that they were trying to do because it wasn't a healthy male host. The mom was basically trying to do what she could with what she had. And that's why nothing occurred until later when Charlie died. I think Paimon was pissed that this cult kept giving him females <laughs> because at I'm first, you, I need a male host. Well, yeah, it's, it's, she it's, successfully it's, put Paimon in Charlie. Yeah. Oh. And then when Charlie died through beheading, which I think beheading is how you get Paimon out because he goes into he the has most- a weird thing. Paimon has a weird thing about heads. He yeah. likes decapitated heads. So if you look at the picture of him in the book that she finds in her mom, in her mom's uh, stuff, he's riding a horse and he has like a satchel of severed heads hanging at his waist. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Yeah. He's pretty, cool, pretty cool guy. <laughs> but uh, no. So like Charlie dies. And then the ghost is just kind of there and it wants Peter, but he can only take the most vulnerable. Well, then it goes into Annie because Annie's the most vulnerable. And then once Annie dies through decapitation and the dad's already dead, there's no one left 
that is more vulnerable than Peter at that moment. Peter is scared shitless. Yeah. You know, he's just witnessed all this horrible shit. He jumps out a window and I always took it as he dies because if you watch when he's laying on the ground outside, a shadow kind of just passes over him. Mm -hmm. And then the glowing orb that we see throughout the movie comes out and goes into him. And then when he stands up and is kind of like back to it, all of a sudden he's clicking like Charlie. Yeah. And now he's possessed because he is the only one around that Pylon can. And now he's finally happy because he's getting his male host. Okay. How do you feel like, yeah, that that's kind of what I picked up. Cause that's the mom starts once the mom takes in Pyman, then she's now she's like, floating she's like crawling across the ceiling what do you yeah. think about that shit or when she's just banging her head against the attic door yeah that was kind of intense my my favorite part of that whole scene is peter gets so scared at one point like he goes from calling her mom to calling her mommy yeah again yeah. because he he's just so scared out of his wits at that moment Dude, the kid is like he accurately i feel like accurately portrays terror a lot through this movie. Yeah. Also, I like when Annie chops, cuts her own head off, with just saws her own head <laughs> off with like string or wires. <laughs> you didn't like that, Micah? That wasn't a great scene for uh, me. Uh, no. <laughs> so there were brutal. a lot of glances in my direction when that was happening. <laughs> Dude, I shit you not. During that part, Kendra was like, you really made Micah watch this? <laughs> Yeah, so and, and then it gets to the end and they're like, Hail payment, hail payment. And I'm like, dude, Mike is gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so this is not for me. This is not my type of tea. Um I I don't care for super depressing shit. And I feel like a lot of horror movies fall into that category. Like there's there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no like kind of uplifting nature to kind of bring you out. There's no levity. This is a great family film. Like the horror. That is, about. yeah. No, this is. We've watched a lot of depressing things on here, and ultimately, even though it falls into like a horror, like uncomfortable, weird, scary realm, mm-hmm. really, it's just the most depressing story of all time. It's a family that's. First, absolutely destroyed. Yep. And then everyone dies, and then it ends with a general of hell being re- <laughs> reanimated to destroy the world, probably. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is not a single happy note yeah. of this whole film, unless you're payment, in which case it was a pretty pretty good story. <laughs> Michael, what did you think of the dinner argument? Because that's a scene that a lot of people gravitate to in this movie. As far as liking that argument? Yeah, or? like just like acting wise and like how like what did you think of that scene overall when she when she is just going on her tirade? Yeah, I mean I I that was probably one of the best acted scenes of the movie. I think that it was a good portrayal of the complex emotions that she was feeling. Because that would be really tough to deal with. Just, I mean, with anybody, right? Because you're grieving over your kid. And it would be really hard to not harbor some kind of resentment towards that other kid, mm-hmm. even though it was an accident. And and then you also have this other kid who is your kid the same way that the deceased child is. And you've got to love and care and protect that kid as well. Even though you have a seriously fucked up relationship with that son. Yeah. Because yeah. how so- could you not... 
like that is a fucked up scenario to be yeah. in because how could you not resent them yeah, for hard. what happened? Yeah, it'd be, and it'd also, be really and then hard. the point that he brings up is like she didn't want to go, mom. Yeah, you told yeah, her to you go. Ma- you like, made her go. You're dealing with this like intense sense of of guilt, but also at the same time, the human mind naturally does not want to accept guilt. It wants to it's push defensive. that guilt onto other people. Yeah, it's just like a natural defense mechanism. So you're dealing with like this incredible guilt, this incredible loss, and this, even though you know it's irrational and it's unfair, this like anger towards yeah, towards this other person who you also love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be a tough scenario. I mean, I think, again... I would say that the acting was probably at the peak at that level. Cause again, the dad, sure. the dad through that whole thing is just trying to get through it. <laughs> like he's trying to be the mediator between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that guy's life. That's true. I feel so bad for that guy. He had the worst of it. He just, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about this film. It was not something that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Probably a big part of me not enjoying it had to do with the whole uh, circles of hell bit. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that makes sense. That was a pretty big like, oh, okay, yeah, that checks out. That just kind of really turns me off on on what this is. Was it entertaining? No. Um, <laughs> what, what is, uh, but you know, if people like horror movies i guess maybe this is for you i'm not the person to ask maybe we should have watched winnie the pooh blood and honey i I you know (laughs) it unless there's a weird satan part in it maybe i probably would have liked that more see the thing is (laughs) with with those type of slasher films i can kind of brush them off as stupid slasher films but when it gets into the religious stuff because of, of where i am with faith yeah that becomes a lot more real to me and, oh, yeah. and it becomes a lot harder for me to separate it as this is obviously I know that it's fiction, right? I know that, yeah. it's, that it's a film and that this is not actually happening, but there are like core beliefs that are opposed to what is happening in this film okay. or core beliefs that opposed to the depictions that are happening in this film. So I'm like not okay with any of that. So you don't want to watch The Exorcist with me then? No, no, I mean, I mean, but see, at the same time, things like that can be intriguing for me. I don't buy the, the whole notion that a king of hell could pop up and just take over the world. I think there's too much, uh, adversity to that power happening. I think there, I think that's one of the the biggest questions about this movie is what happens next because he's still a kid. Right. He's, he's not going to go to high school the next day. Yeah. Like, he's going to become an investment banker. He's going to run a fucking hedge fund. What are you talking about? That's what happens next. I, I mean, how so, do you think all those guys got to where they are, buddy? Yeah. Invoking evil spirits. I, I mean, it, it did say that if if they invoked payment, that they would, be sh- they, they would be showered in rock. riches and everything like that. So they're basically doing this because they want to get rich and powerful. Yeah. Surprise. And again, <laughs> that like, uh, just, yeah. So 
that's not for me for that level. If it was just a standard slasher film, then I'd be like, you know, whatever. It's, it's just a standard slasher film. But it makes it a little bit more personal um, as far as why I don't like the film. Yeah. Um, in, in these scenarios. Things like The Exorcist, I've never seen it, so I don't know. Maybe it's a good film. But if they are like... You know, I what's what's the quote that the that the priest uses? The power of Christ compels yeah, the power you. Power of Christ compels you. I did see a little clip where they felt like they were just saying that to a floating body for like a minute straight. It, that scene does go on too long. Yeah. On a rewatch, that scene is really like kind of all right. You you can stop. <laughs> <laughs> so so my issue with a lot of those type of films is usually it portrays people of the cloth for all the faults that those people have, because people are people and they're flawed. I'm not denying any of that, but if they're supposed to be representing a higher power that ultimately has the final authority in this, that is often not depicted in horror films. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Okay. So that's where I stand with that. That's my thoughts on hereditary. I'm getting off my soapbox. (laughs) I think the only time I've ever actually seen that happen in any kind of horror literature would be the stand from Stephen King, because at the end, like the literal hand of God comes out and stops the evil thing from happening. Gotcha. But yeah, a lot of the time you're right. That is not covered or touched upon. Like this higher power has to like, basically this movie is saying that there is a hell. So by admitting that there's a hell, you're also admitting that there is a heaven and there's angels, whereas, you know, this movie's focusing on the demons. So I get what you're saying about how there has to be something else to prevent this from happening. Yeah, right. Sam and Dean Winchester were right around this, were right around the goddamn <laughs> they, corner. They probably were. Like they a, probably were. I'm rooting um, for them. Yeah, so here's my thought with this, is because I knew there was, like, some demonic overtones, which you weren't going to love. Sure. But the first, like, the first hour of the movie yeah before it really gets into that i was like i think he can at least appreciate like the suspense and like the really in my my opinion really great uh performances and just kind of portrayal of a family in the absolute darkest of times yes yeah and i i agree with you 100 percent. you you're totally right on that end i can definitely appreciate as long as you didn't hate you can hate it overall but as long as you didn't hate those parts i'm like okay that makes sense yeah the the cinematography i like too because they built the house on a soundstage and they built it open so that it looked like a dollhouse so if you notice a lot of the scenes where they're filming inside of rooms, it's like further back where you can see the whole room. Mm-hmm. And they did that to kind of mirror Annie's profession of her as a miniature artist. Well, that's kind of how it started, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So every time you see like a shot of them filming inside of a room, it's because that room is actually open. They weren't actually filming in a room. Oh, that's cool. They, they built this giant dollhouse studio, gotcha. basically, and were filming from the outside in. So I really thought that was a neat kind of thing they did, too. Yeah, that is cool. Cinematography, cool. Acting, cool. First hour of the movie, suspenseful. A wholesome and, family film. Oh, I don't know about wholesome, but <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly a family I, I film. I don't know about your family, Bolden. Mine's pretty <laughs> fucked up, and it's not that fucked up. <laughs> but but the, the hard turn into Satanism is where it lost me. <laughs> sure. Okay, so Michael, get rid of the last 15 minutes of this movie. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, so let's go to ratings. Yep. And Mike, you know, you got to know what I'm going with. On a scale of one to 60 severed heads. I figured it was severed heads. <laughs> I figured it was severed heads. How could it not be? 
One to 60? Yeah. Um... Yeah, we got tired of one to ten, Zach. We just uh, yeah, that, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Ten. Okay, that's solid. That's a solid ten. score. Yeah, I'm giving it that because for the first like half of the film, I wasn't vehemently opposed to the narrative. Fair. So, and and I did enjoy aspects of it, looking at it through a critical eye, focusing on film. And storytelling and cinematography. So I did enjoy that. Would I recommend it? No. I would not. Unless you like horror films and then, you know, go nuts, I guess. Yeah, then you can admit that it did its job and it scared you. It didn't scare me. It just, I don't like the content of what it is. I just, it's just not for me. That content is, nah, no thank you. You just wait, Thor. Christmas time, man. I'm just gonna wa- make you white like, Christmas. Yeah, read. I'm just gonna make you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and <laughs> we'll just talk about it. You know, I went to a Christian school when I was a kid. Yeah, sure. That's I'm fine. familiar with the Bible. Yeah. Okay. Well, get ready. Buckle up, baby. <laughs> you have to recommend stuff we haven't seen before. You can't recommend the Bible. Dang it. <laughs> All right, then I'll recommend the sequel. It's the Bible too. Bible harder. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So speaking of recommendations, <laughs> yeah. What are, what are we getting into? You, Thor? What's you tell next? me. It's your recommendation. No, it's not. Yeah. No, I recommended this. Did you recommend Hereditary? No. Yeah, it would have so been a great twist if you did. Oh my god! <laughs> I recommended it the whole time. <laughs> Wait, so it yeah, is... It was a, uh, last week wasn't the whale. Last week was Akira. That's right. Okay. All right. Damn. Um. Okay. In that case, we're going to get off the movie train. We've been on a movie train for a bit. We're going to get away from that. Um. There is an album by a band that I am sure you have not heard of. Uh, it's a group called the Noisettes. Are you familiar? No, but the name sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of this weird mix of pop and swing style music. Mm-hmm. That's what we're listening to. Uh, it's the Noisette's second album. They've only got two. And the album is called Wild Young Hearts. So we're going to get into that. And I'm very curious. I have this weird thing where I've been recommending like black female singers to you, Thor. Because this album also is a black female singer. I was going to say, I think I was here when you recommended the Fugees. No, well, you definitely weren't. I recommended the Fugees. Oh, you yeah. recommended the Fugees. But, but okay. I did recommend Tracy Chapman to, uh, to Thor. Which, which, by the way, Bolton, did you know that Tracy Chapman was a woman? Yes. Me too. All right. So. Yeah, Michael learned that here on this show after he recommended it to me. Or maybe shortly before. In any case. Is it, be- it was- is it because Fast Car got popular from a man singing? Is that what you were no, confused? No, it was before Fast Car became re-popularized. It was- Which I hate the new version. It's okay. I mean, it's- I don't like it. It's a country version of the song. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like the <sighs> Okay, I don't like so here's, here's where it comes from. I really enjoy the song, Give Me One Reason to Stay Here. I really like that song. Give me song. one reason to stay here. And the- I've never looked up Tracy Chapman as an artist. So the only image that I've ever seen of Tracy Chapman is with the Tracy Chapman's greatest hits disc jacket. 
Okay. And it's an out-of-focus picture of Tracy Chapman with a guitar, full body, and Tracy Chapman at the time had very short hair. Yeah. And I just thought that Tracy Chapman was a man because Tracy Chapman's voice is kind of deeper for a woman. Yeah, and so and Tracy can be a guy's name. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So that's just like where my brain just connected that. And I never thought Tracy Chapman was a woman. And when the, the song came out, the, the, um, the cover by it was his name. Luke, Luke Combs. Luke Combs. I was reading online and somebody commented on an article and they're like, Tracy Chapman's an OG though. Her music was the best. And I remember looking at that comment going, I'm pretty sure Tracy Chapman's a guy. I'm pretty sure. And then I thought, maybe I should investigate. So then I investigated, found out that was in fact not the case. And when I found that out, I immediately had to listen to the entire first album of Tracy Chapman. So I stayed up till about two in the morning, just laying on my couch, listening to the first album of Tracy Chapman, completely blown away by all of the music and, and by that, re- he means he listened to the same song 10 times in a row. Just they're, fast they're all, over and over again. Yeah, it's just, they all sound the same. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know that's one of the best-selling albums of all time? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wild. I, I, okay, I feel like that was my dumb moment, because you're like, yeah, duh. <laughs> no, I mean, well, we well, talked about it. We yeah, dove yeah. into it. But yeah, also, lesbians buy a lot of albums. See the Indigo Girls. <laughs> Indigo Girls? Um. Uh. Yeah, so anyway. Wild Young Hearts. The album by the Noisettes. That's what we're going to get into next week. Bolton, thank you for coming. You are welcome. And discussing this film with us for Halloween Spooky Get Ripped. It's a spooky episode. It's a spooky, spooky Get Ripped episode. So now, I think Mike is now going to be concerned anytime you come to record an episode with us. As he is with McCrary. So I'm just slowly making. I'm just slowly making making the recommendations. I'm slowly making Mike a suspicious of all our friends (laughs) because he's gonna be like, "Fuck, that means I gotta watch something I'm gonna hate." Uh, But you know, but you've known that I like horror. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, that's why we brought you on because I don't, and Thor doesn't. So we might as well have somebody on who does. (laughs) I was gonna say it's not like I kept my love of horror a secret, and you were just like, "What? What's wrong with you?" Like I didn't know this side of you. Yeah. Color me surprised, Bolton. <laughs> so what do you guys think of Hereditary? Was this uh, something up your alley? Are you a big fan of Satan and the <laughs> rings of hell? It's not Satan, it's Payman. Big fan of Satan's general? Good guy, that Payman, decapitating bitches. So get a hold of us. <laughs> Let us know. so much worse. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Um... You know, I don't know if we have any listeners in hell, but we might. So if you're listening, <laughs> there's a good chance. If you're listening from from those, you know, alleyways, just don't hashtag payment with us. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. We're not doing that. Anyway, get a hold of us. Tell us what you think. You can recommend a film to us. If it's a horror film, maybe we'll get to it. I don't know. I'll get to it. Somebody will get for to you, it. For you fans, I will get to it. Bolton will absolutely get to it. Uh, let us know. Send us a recommendation. So, uh, until next time, folks. As always, you get wrecked out there. Stay wrecked. I'm not even gonna. The only funny, witty thing I want to say is help. Help! I don't even want to say that. <laughs> 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 <laughs>